Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. I talk a lot and I like anime so anyway let's talk about it so a silent voice a movie that everybody knows about and everybody loves well not everybody but at least anime enthusiasts it's on Netflix now so it's more accessible to everyone um including the people who doesn't who don't watch anime but I'm going to talk about it because it's a lot of people's favorites uh, it's one of my favorites as well so I'm going to start from the beginning and run through a silent voice and my thoughts on it and my interpretations of it so in the beginning we get a black screen and we get the words a point of light this then becomes important towards the end because again we get a point of light but our main character Shoya, I- Shoya Ishida's point of light gets bigger as he goes through the movie and overcomes his struggles the first thing that we're introduced to in the well the first person actually is Shoya Ishida our main character who um how do I say this? Let's say trigger warning for suicide. Um, wants to commit suicide. But then he doesn't go through with it because, or at least from my perspective, he doesn't go through with it because he wants to take responsibility for what he did to, uh, I don't know what to call her. Let's say our other main character or our, I don't know, love interest. What, what should I call her? Um, Shoko Nishi- Nish- Nishimiya. Um but anyway so he's saved money up to give to his mum which is something that um we get we see when in his childhood uh because he bullies uh nishimiya throughout his child well not throughout his childhood in seventh grade elementary so they were like 11 years old and he like repeatedly broke her hearing aids so he kind of realized in middle school or at least from my perspective that more or less his actions have consequences on other people besides from himself and the person directly involved so Nishimiya so he didn't really realize how that affected his mother until he saw his mother give money to Nishimiya's mother um also if we're talking about a silent voice which we are the cinematography and the score e.g the music in the background which is done by Kuntsuke Ushio is amazing like every single point in a silent voice is like beautifully accompanied with music and the framing of this movie um and it's just oh it's just amazing and the director is um Naoko Yamada um and I think they did an excellent job on it as well but the one thing I noticed when I was rewatching it because I don't know if I said this already this is the third time I've watched uh rewatched a silent voice which I didn't notice the first or the second time is the abundance of water imagery like when we hear a point well not when we hear when we see the screen a point of light at the beginning of the movie we hear water droplets and those water droplets um become important like later on and throughout the movie because there's major water imagery i also did a bit of research on this because we get multiple shots of uh koi fish or koi and um koi symbolize perseverance uh they also symbolize other things but i think perseverance is important in this movie because uh shoya persevered through uh his emotions and wanting to run away after uh, committing a, an atrocious act of bullying towards um shoko so i 
I didn't really notice that and I didn't bother to think about that when I was watching it the first or the second time. But back to the water imagery, as we know, um, the wa- the water imagery comes from at the start of the show. So we see a lot, we see a lot of koi fish and we hear a lot of water droplets. And um, when he jumps into the river after uh, Shoko, because they dropped the notebook, like water is a perpetual theme, I would say in a silent voice and obviously water can be seen as like cleansing or refreshing or anything like that it's also very important in like the balcony scene because he falls into water and i would even like to say that the main character throughout the movie may may be seen as underwater because when you're underwater your hearing and your sight is distorted and you can't like so you can't see or hear things properly and um that's represented in my opinion by also him putting his hands on his ears and the crosses on people's faces because he kind of refuses blatantly to not see or hear people properly as if it's like not his choice like as if you're underwater which um i think is really it's really good imagery another reason why i think that was one of the leading factors of him not committing suicide is because it's kind of like he had a flashback to his elementary life and he kind of realized or remembered more all the horrible things he did to Nishimiya. So I, that's why I think. But also, the contrast in the... I'm going back to the music. The contrast in the music, it's like quite relaxing, quite chill. And then it skips to more upbeat and like youthful when we're going back to his childhood. Which I think is an important contrast because it's like how... It's kind of like the switch between his childhood self and now his um, high school self. Um, I'd also like to point out there's a me- it's a mentality that a lot of people have um, when he was in elementary and he was a bully like it's better to be it's better to bully people than to be bullied um, because you don't want to be the subject of people's you don't want to be the subject of people's ridicule which he eventually becomes when Nishimiya leaves and his quote-unquote friends um, bully him for being a bully even though they were bullying Nishimiya as well which is quite interesting but while uh nishimi is here she constantly tries to reach out to um shoya and i think that in a way that uh shoko shoko nishimi kind of reminds um shoya of himself in a way they're quite vulnerable in that sense and also the school bred like a horrible like atmosphere like of for her because there was like nobody who really wanted to learn sign language besides from um her one friend i'll talk about her later because um can't remember her name sorry um but anyway so they kind of sell him out to the teacher when the teacher's all like oh who bullied her and then they're just like it it was him it was solely him like nobody else and uh, this becomes a common a common thing later in the movie like everybody refuses to take responsibility including himself in elementary later on he takes responsibility for what he did but i would say even um later in the show that a lot of characters still don't take responsibility for what they did to nishimiya which is why um Shoya's personal growth and character development is really good because he he does change actively through his actions rather than words. Before Nishimiya leaves, um, Shoya and Shoko have a very childish fight, um, which I would say they're not they're children, but they're not like five. Like they're eleven at this point in time, and I feel like you have like a good, good, not good, but like you can kind of like tell what's right and wrong, like a moral that what's it called a moral compass. Although, 
what what's 11 are you like i think you're 11 in year seven if we're talking about british things but anyway this childish fight in my opinion is like the first real interaction that they have with each other because before then it's just kind of been bullying and nasty remarks or just her saying sorry or her not really saying or reacting like in any way but this um fight is when she actively tries to make him understand him by like force okay i know i'm jumping around a lot but it's just more my thought process because like while as, as i connect things it like i jump around quite a bit but it'll make sense like i'm still trying to grow into chronological order because i'm still talking about their childhood but next bit i'm gonna skip to when he decides not to commit suicide and he goes to sign language classes and he meets uh nishimiya for the first time in like years because they haven't seen each other since like sixth grade um and she isn't mad at him which i like to notice she well she was never mad she was never like a angry child she just kind of didn't really understand if that made sense but even now like she could have screamed at him she could have like got really mad at him but she just tried to say something and when she couldn't really think of anything to say she ran away um which shows again her personality as she kind of runs away from like the the issue rather than like standing her ground and like actually talking it out in this scene shoya also gives back shoko her notebook that they had in sixth grade which people wrote like kind of nasty things in which i think shows care and repentance um because he kept it for that long and wanted to give it back to her um also he's a very responsible person unlike a lot of the other characters because he has a job and he was saving up money to give to his mom and he sold a lot of things that were important to him like his manga just to repay his mom back for the things that he did in elementary but i'm gonna talk about the crosses now um there's never at no point in the movie was there ever a cross on um shoko's face and i think that's important because that means he as much as he didn't want to he's always been listening and seeing her like fully and properly unlike other characters in the show um so there are crosses on people's faces when he refuses to see them or hear them um which is highlighted in the balcony scene um because he says that he wants to like back in the i'm kind of ju- jumping around again because in the balcony scene he promises well he's trying to he's kind of speaking to god but more of himself he like promises that he'll not run away and he'll look at people properly and he'll see people properly um and there's the physical symbolization symbolization of putting his hands over his ears now i'm going to skip forward to when he meets uh nagatsukun and um he when he first meets him well actually he saw him many more times he saw him at school before he had the cross on his face so he again is one of the people that he chose to not acknowledge but uh i'm gonna say the first time that they really like met met was when his bike was getting stolen and i really like this about uh shoya he kind of has this like funny self-awareness of like the situations and he sometimes like uh pulls himself out and i feel like i do that like um when I notice something funny that's happening or something that just doesn't feel or seem real, like I have the tendency to like call it out. But anyway, uh, it's as if he doesn't really want to go help uh, uh, Nagatsuku, but like he does help him in the end and he does it non-violently, which I think is interesting because it shows uh, facets of his personality because, I don't know, other main characters might have just like punched them in the face or something and like ran away in like an epic like chase scene or something. But he just like uh, kind of takes the fall and gives the thief his bike instead of um 
letting them take Nagatsuku's bike. I also think that this scene plays into the realism of Shoya because no normal person, well, I feel like, is gonna like go punch a bully. Like they're gonna try and save the person or take care of a situation in the most calm way possible, which feeds into the realist the realism of all these characters because they're real they're real, that they feel real, they're lovable. Like these could be people that really exist. Uh, but if I'm going back to Shoya's personality, in the scene where he finds Yuzu in the play area um, after she's posted the picture of him, she, uh, she's asking him why why he's not angry and it's as if he can't force himself, he can't force himself to be angry, which is very different and a very clear juxtaposition to when he was little and he was like screaming and was like really um loud and extroverted you know what i mean but now he can't even bring himself to get angry at somebody who's like clearly wronged him and we kind of learn his motivation in the movie when uh yuzu stays over at his house and they're walking home in the rain and she kind of asks him like why like and then he says uh i just don't want to make nishimi nishimiya cry anymore and later on in the show, he says, I want Nishimiya to like herself. So his motives are all revolve around Nishimiya, kind of. But through him wanting to help Nishimiya, he kind of helps himself, which is really interesting because it's like support and how people can help each other without even realizing it. Okay, I know I said I would do this chronologically for ease, but I'm probably going to not do that and just think about, talk about characters when they come to mind because Yuzu, that reminds me, I have a lot to say about her. So she didn't go to school um, and she, the first the first time we're introduced to her, she pretends that she's um, Shoko's boyfriend so that she can get Shoya away from her, which shows her a kind of protective nature, even though she acts like really cool and really tough, like she still deeply cares about her sister um and she also has a very strong connection with her grandma which is why uh when the grandma dies it kind of pushes yuzu out of oh yuzu but yuzu out of her like comfort zone so that she can like kind of start going to school and it's also when she shows her emotions because she says to shoya that she's scared which is kind of one of the first times you see like just her her raw emotions and at the end of the movie she eventually goes back to school even though she's not really conventionally good at it and she even says um after the balcony scene that um she put the because she's a photographer she put the pictures up in the room or in their house just because she just because she thought it would make um uh shoko want to live which didn't work and she's struggling because she doesn't know what she can do to help her older sister but back to Shoya, um, in the scene where it's like summer vacation, he kind of goes overkill because, as I mentioned earlier, his motives is he doesn't want to make uh, Shoko cry anymore. So I feel like in summer, he um, he doesn't really know what to do to like help them, which kind of reminds me in a way of Yuzu because like they don't really know what to do. So they're just trying anything they can. But in his case, it just kind of felt like overkill because you could tell he was just kind of needlessly trying to make the summer as happy as possible which in a way is also quite sweet but back to the balcony scene because i feel like everything well not everything revolves around the balcony scene but like it's quite an important scene so in the balcony scene he falls into water and like i think i said earlier it brings back the water imagery because when he falls in it's cold and he says it's well not he says he thinks it's cold and then um it gets warm as as in his blood which i think is an excellent oh the cinematography and you can see the blood rising as he says it's warm 
Um, but honestly, I um like I think the first time I watched The Silent Voice, I definitely I would have definitely cried at the balcony scene because I was convinced that one of the characters were gonna die, and because of the characterization and how good it is, like you don't you form such like a you form such a bond with these characters that to see them like die actually hurts. And that that's good writing, in my opinion, even if it's like a movie and it's quite short, if you can make your um, audience w- like feel what the characters are feeling in such a short space of time, then you've written your character like really well. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot. This is quite jolty, but like the theme park scene, because it's like the first time that he's been like happy in like ages. And he even says like, or he even says slash feels like, why is he allowed to be this happy? and um i've got to mention throughout the show some of the crosses fall off people's face like for koai the cross falls off but then it comes back on same for ueno the cross falls off but it comes back on and every time the cross falls off there's like a single monotone note that plays kind of like a chime and it feels really like it kind of slows down the pace of the entire movie because it's like it just to focus really well really does focus you on the fact that he's starting to see slash hear that person um properly but then it like quickly goes back on like for when he sees um shimada working at the theme park it just he just kind of clams up all over again because he's instantly reminded of um elementary which is where he committed such bad things so he really doesn't feel like he deserves to be as happy as he is anymore and that's also when we like get the bit where ueno okay i can kind of see her point of view in a in like some ways because um i don't know actually i might revise that i might revise that actually because she's just kind of refusing to understand uh nishimiya or at least try to which is why at the end it's a bit nicer because when she actually bothers to learn the sign language for Baka slash so idiot, it kind of shows that she does actually care or she is starting to care. She just really couldn't be bothered to take into consideration anything to do with Nishimiya, um, which is quite selfish, but maybe she thought that Nishimiya was taking away um, Ishida from her I think I'm going to talk about the ending now because it's a really good ending and the first time I watched it I kind of forgot about it. Like when I watched it I could only really, the first time, I could only really remember up to the balcony scene because I think it made me that upset that like everything after that was just a blur to me. But the ending in my opinion is really good. Like it, not good, good. I have better vocabulary than that. I just couldn't, oh man. But anyway, back to the ending. So he wants to like face his fears and he even asks um, Nishimiya, he says, I want you to help me live. So it's like he's done running away, he's done um, not looking at people, not seeing, not hearing people. He wants to face his fears. But when he goes back to school, he kind of has a re- relapse in um, his fears. And then that's when uh, Nagats- Nagatsuku um, comes to help him and like talk about how much that he missed him and that he's glad that he's okay which kind of reminds him that there's people out there who love him and um want him to succeed which again shows his very human-like personality because it's not like um after he comes out of hospital he could just instantly go back to his old life like everything was normal like he was going to be scared he was bound to be um but the ending scene which is one of the most beautiful oh 
Well, the ending. No, I would call it a fourth scene. The ending, like bit is like amazing and i and i here's what i wrote down in my notes i wrote hands off is um he puts his head up all the crosses fall off and he sees the wider world for what it is and he starts to cry uncontrollably a spill of his emotions and i think that this links back to when i said he couldn't get angry at um yuzu further up because he couldn't in a way he kind of was suppressing a lot of his emotions so at the ending it's like everything he's built up since like elementary just spills out uncontrollably in the form of tears again water imagery um and then we get the black screen with a point of light flashing uh more not flashing switching between all the characters he's become friends with and gained a closer relationship throughout the show so we get nagatsuku we get ueno we get kawaii we get um shimada and finally we get um nishimiya and his point of light gets bigger and expands and that's the final scene that we see in the entire movie and it's just very uh cyclical that brings you back to the beginning even though when i first watched this i barely even noticed it because i was less observant and to be honest i'm not even gonna try and be like i'm this hyper analyst person it takes me like a while to notice things and understand things um and i kind of take things for face value and not don't notice a lot of things which is why i rewatching things although i don't typically tend to rewatch a lot of things but since i'm starting a podcast i'm probably going to have i'm starting since i'm running this podcast i'm going to have to rewatch quite a lot of my favorites if i want to talk about them to re-notice things and talk about new things you know what i mean that i didn't notice the first time but um when i rewatched a silent voice it doesn't get old it just feels timeless and it was so good to the point that it got nominated for an award and won um, Best Animation in the year um, 20, the 20th, <laughs> Best Animation of the Year in the 26th Japan Movie um, Critics Award. So it really does goes to show that um, a lot of people enjoyed and appreciated this movie and it came out in 2016 was available in the uk in 2017 and i personally i don't really mind sub or dub but i watched the silent voice in um sub um the voice actors are so good at their job so the voice actor for um shoya is miyu iruo and the voice actor for shoko is saudi hayami yeah hayami and they just did an excellent job of cre- of conveying their characters' feelings throughout the entire movie. Um, and I feel like that's really important. Well, here's my general wrap-up, I guess. I've always loved the silent voice. I can't wait to get, like, posters and that to go in my room when I eventually move. Um, but, yeah. And also, I found this out when I was researching. Because, like, I really don't, like, research for things. But, like, if I want this to make sense, like... Um, I have to do research. So the uh, creator of the manga, uh, Yoshitoki o- Oima, um, wrote To Your Eternity and like the anime for To Your Eternity just, I think it came out this year because I see like I saw quite a lot of TikToks about it and people saying that it was really good and to know that it's from the same author as A Silent Voice or a shape, a voice's form actually, which I think is a very interesting differ- differentiation because A Silent Voice and a voice's form 
sound very like they i feel like they have very different meanings but anyway um to know that it's from the same author as a silent voice is like really i it's kind of motivated me to watch it now so i don't know if i'll watch it today or if i'll watch it like this summer but i'll probably end up watching it this summer because i think there's only like 13 episodes so um i'm really excited to see why everybody likes it and what the um the author has come up with also she's a woman by the way so I'd like to throw that out there um love love um manga slash anime written by women they're always really good uh and i'm excited to see what the future holds for uh oima well i had a great time talking about a silent voice so anyway the eagle has landed